everybody. Welcome to Connecting Cannabis. I am your uh, brought to you by Razzle. I, of course, am your host, Brian Holler. Um, thank you so much for being here today. Today, we have uh, Greg Garoski, CEO of Falcor Digital. He'll be joining us to talk about um, the importance of design and um, uh, in your investment decks and your presentations and uh, and um, and some marketing and branding advice as well. So we're very much looking forward to that. However, first, I've got to talk to you about Apricot Analytics. Uh, Apricot Analytics is a full-service product quality lab for cannabis testing and CBD hemp testing. They have over a decade of analytical lab experience and have been working with cannabis products since 2005. Apricot Analytics understands the needs of cannabis and hemp producers because they were producers themselves. They know the challenges, the frustrations, and dreams of cultivators and manufacturers. They get it because they've been there and they're here to help. Apricot Analytics tests your products for the good stuff like THC and CBD concentrations and helps you identify any bad stuff like pesticides, mold, bacteria, and heavy metals. For more information, go to apricotanalytics.com or to learn more about their current investment opportunity, please go to the Razzle Investment Marketplace at razzle.com. Now let me bring in our guest, Greg Garoski. Greg, how are you doing today? I'm good, Brian. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, sir. Uh, always good to speak with you. I'm looking sharp with your uh, multi-camera angles and your presentation. Yeah, yeah try, trying to get in the modern day. See? There you go. Looking really <laughs> sharp. Looking really good. You know, I'm looking forward to talking to you about something that you and I, of course, have talked about many, many times and, uh, when we're uh, corresponding about clients for Razzle or even sometimes your own. Um, presenting and the importance of design. Um, but yes. let's, start, let's start from the beginning. Um, what inspired you to create Falcor Digital? You know, I came from a background of building pitches myself. I came from television and uh, pitching branded partnerships and things like that that always required pitch materials. Sure. And, you know, when I was working at these companies, I always found that the types of resources that were available to me were typically minimal. Um, and I would start looking for options and it would, it would be, you know, finding a, a freelancer or finding a design agency. And I never found that that company that kind of could do more to enable me and my teams to do better. So I started Falcor Digital as kind of a, a way to enable my, my customers to create better pitches for themselves, whether we're helping them create them and we're doing most of the work or we're providing templates or we're working with a client to help build out uh, its own solution in-house. So it's more of a comprehensive thing that, I, you know, I really wanted something that wasn't just a freelancer and wasn't an agency. It's something that would enable people to do better, better pitches. Yes. Uh, also, I would guess that allows for you to um, kind of have a more um, personalized approach with your, with your clients, right? Um, yeah. You know, uh, I, I think people are really familiar with the term design agency, right? Yeah. Um, but I think you guys refer to yourself as a design consultancy. Yeah, that's correct. Can you explain or elaborate? Yeah. So, you know, when you go to an agency, an agency is typically more of a services driven company. You're going to come to them with what your needs are and they're going to help, you know, service it with the, the final product. So if you go to a design agency, you might be getting a logo, you might be getting a website, they're, they're handing over the product. Now, of course, there's a back and forth relationship. You get to know each other, you get to know your agency really well, but once the job is done, it's, it's kind of done and you, you know, you're not engaging them again until you have another right. job you need. Um, conversely, if you're working just with a, you know, a freelancer, you go to get a freelancer to do your pitch deck, you know, that person really knows design, but they don't necessarily know the language, the visual language behind what makes a good pitch, right? So we fit in kind of a gap where none of them really solve the problems that I faced when I was building pitches or that I find that a lot of my clients face, which is assistance in creating a better message. Now, 
you know, most of our customers know what their product is or they know what their pitch is, but a lot of times they need help uh, reframing it for an audience that doesn't. You know, so when you're pitching something, you're pitching something to an audience that doesn't know your message. And, yep. you know, when with a consultancy, we bring that extra layer of helping you to define that message in a way that's more digestible. Um, if, like I said earlier, if you're trying to do this in-house or you're on your own, you don't have a big budget uh, right. or you have a budget, but you don't have a budget for all these specialty people like illustrators to do custom yep. uh, custom drawings or right. you know, people to do all of this more like intensive custom yeah, copywriters and you know, yeah, yeah, copy editors. Designers. Exactly. So as a consultancy, we bring a lot more of those very specialized resources to the table and we consult our clients on how to make better pitches and how to create a better message. Which, of course, makes a lot of sense when it comes to the cannabis community, uh, specifically, because I can't think of a, um, uh, a group of uh, a people and investments where, you know, that's that's of paramount importance, uh, you know, oh, yeah. in terms of just being able to really explain things in a very thorough, um, efficient manner. Um, because, you know, a lot of new investors or new people are coming into the cannabis space um, and they have a lot of kind of maybe misguided, uh, you know, um, ideas about what it's like, uh, which actually means that, you know, if I'm a cannabis company, I need to probably put even more attention and effort and work with a company that can be consultative in that way. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the terms we use for our clients are like retention, recall of your message. You know, when an investor is looking at your deck, they're looking at 50 others in a day or their team is vetting decks very quickly. So only the top five or six even get to the people who actually make the decision. So right. it's really important that your message have retention, recall, they, when they read it, they're going to remember because they're only gonna spend five, 10 minutes breezing yep. through your deck. <laughs> they'll spend more time once they're interested and they'll dive into it when they're interested, but you only have that initial breeze through to capture yep. their attention, not lose them in, the, in your messaging. And we all love our businesses. I mean, I get caught up in the same thing where you know, when I'm trying to explain my business to somebody, I get so caught up in the weeds of, you know, because I'm passionate about it, just like right. most on, any entrepreneur is. But, you know, you, sometimes it takes that third person, that extra perspective to sort of say, look, if I'm sitting in the other seat and I only have a few minutes to digest this, maybe we need to trim the fat, get this down to something where they're going to remember it. They're going to recall it. So later on, when they're going throughout their day, they're going to remember that image that connected with that tech, that, that text that you had, or they're going to, you know, the brain is a funny thing. The way that you remember things and you recall things, it's not typically just text. It's you're, you're attaching uh, ideas to imagery. And that's where we are as a consultancy, we really focus. We help our clients, you know, use imagery to tell a narrative that isn't just your words on paper. Right. And, uh, you know, obviously with Raza, we experience a lot of the same thing because we're, you know, working with clients to get them uh, presentable and, um, you know, buttoned up correctly from all sorts of angles, you know, um, yep. and one of them being investment decks. And that's, of course, why Greg and, I, and us and Falcor, you know, know each other well. Um, but ultimately, it's so important that you give investors, you know, a good snapshot, right? It reminds me a little bit of... Um, uh, when you apply for jobs, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yep, you don't need this much material to apply for jobs compared to an investment, you know, yeah. it's going to be all sorts of things, but it's the same kind of thing. Um, you need those people, those hiring managers or those, even those programs that are looking at those uh, initially 
to have the right language, the right kind of combination, the right design that's going to pop out so that that employer goes, hey, that's interesting. It's yeah. the same kind of thing. It's just on a grander scale, obviously. Uh, and there's more um, parts for you to button up. But the same principle applies. Yeah. Well, um, and it's a first impression, right? I mean, correct. it's like until they meet you, all they have is a resume. So all they can see is the design of your resume, if it's well thought out, if it's, you know, if they're getting the facts they need out of it quickly, because all of those people are making assumptions all the time on what is presented to them. So if what's presented right. to them isn't really your story, like it's if it's if you're using a PowerPoint template that was made, you know, 15 years ago or you know, or yeah. 10 years ago, like that doesn't does that represent your company? And of course, yeah. Not. Can we pause for a second and please yeah. say to everybody out there, if you are using a PowerPoint deck that is older than maybe six months, <laughs> a year old. You need to put that over here or in some garbage. And we'll and we, you know we'll talk about it in some of the, the the next steps here on some things you can do to on your own. To improve. Exactly right. In fact, what a great segue, Greg. Let's just go ahead and roll with it. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So uh, Greg has uh, graciously agreed to kind of um, share some uh, uh, tips and uh, and some different things about how to kind of move forward in constructing a good uh, presentation. So um, let's take it away. Yeah, absolutely. So what we have here is actually a deck that uh, I give a lot of my clients. It's a quick start guide. Uh, and it's something that we happily make available to anybody for free. Uh, this version of it is uh, a live version, which yep. we'll get into. There is a difference between your live pitch deck and the deck that you might leave behind. So yep. you know, a lot of people think, yeah, it's one deck. Why don't I need anything else? We'll get into that. So out of the gate, here we are, presentation design, a quick guide to the basics. So we already kind of went through a little bit of the background, but I'll you know just kind of elaborate a little bit. Uh, I come from a television background, uh, pitching television, so pitching you know ideas, concepts, uh, as well as branded entertainment. I spent a lot of time pitching branded entertainment to agencies and brands to help them figure you know help my clients figure out how to uh, present their ideas and sell you know large packages. So. What we're going to cover in this really quickly, we're going to cover the process of creating a pitch, pitch deck. There is a bit of thinking that helps if you can go through some of that thinking uh, in advance. It'll help your process uh, along much better. Uh, we'll go through live materials like we just talked about, uh, how to get assets and organize your assets, and how to use fonts. Um, oddly enough, sometimes fonts can make all the difference in the world, and the wrong font can, can sink you. Uh, we'll go through color palettes using space effectively and proximity and alignment. Uh, so we'll go through all of these concepts. So starting out, what, what are we talking about here? A bad system will beat a good person every time. So just like anything, if you don't uh, think through your materials and have a plan, no matter how good you are at what you're doing, it's very easy to, to completely get lost and have a bad set of materials if your system isn't sound. Right. So what are we talking about? First of all, set goals for yourself. Set goals for what you want for your presentation to accomplish and even bullet point them out for yourself uh, very broadly. Start with the real broad strokes. You know, there's there's plenty of resources out there that can tell you how to uh, how to develop a pitch deck for investors in the way that they want to see it. So you should be looking for those. And on that point, get inspired. Find pitch decks that inspire you. Now, one cautionary tale of that, I don't know how many of you have seen this out there, but they're, they're, they're constantly kind of throwing around um, 
and Brian, you must have seen these at some point too. The the original pitch deck for Uber or the original oh. pitch deck for for some of these big companies. The, yeah. the thing to remember, find them right now. Pretty yeah, easy. I mean, it's crazy, right? And and it's great yes. to see them. But what people need to remember is that was like the first pitch deck that they that those teams created. A lot of times they're poorly designed, but their messaging all follows the same structure. The way that they they you know bring out each of their uh, topics and the way they cover them, but right. from a design point, those decks kept evolving and they kept going. So get out sure. and get inspired. Find design that you love and try to mimic it. You know, it's the best way to get great design. Uh, storyboarding. So storyboarding is really helpful because you're you're essentially laying out your slides without putting anything on it except for the key goals, right? So slide, yep. one of your slides might be, um, you know, what's the core problem in the marketplace or the gap in the marketplace? Right. What's the problem? What's my solution? Uh, yep. What's, and, and start storyboarding out. And you don't even need to do it in slides. You could do it in a Word document, but you're bulleting out what you want to cover very broadly and then start to drill down and insert your business into that, into that format. Uh, lastly, yeah, the right, oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, I've seen uh, people do it different ways, you know, like, like you were just saying, Greg, uh, in terms of, you know, some people like to feel like they're being more efficient by kind of putting the kind of bullet points on the slides that they end up basically evolving into that. Yeah. But you can also do it any countless amount of ways. The point is to be, to prepare something instead of just going, okay, I'm going to like first page is going to be this first slide. So let's go, you know? Yeah. The, the worst thing you do is just open up a, a PowerPoint and just start, start building, right? Precisely. Because you don't know where you're going. Right. You, you you find that you pit, want to make pivots, but when you you just start right out of the gate with your final materials, you know some people can do that. I I mean I I do that now that I've done it enough. Sure. Uh, but typically it's doing it with someone else's information. You're dealing with the information at this early stage. Don't get caught up in design early. Right. Get caught up in your message. Yeah. And then finally, the right tools. Uh, I know PowerPoint has been the go-to for for forever, um, but as a designer. And as an owner of a design company, I would say it's the last tool I ever want to use. Um, Keynote uh, is fantastic because it's much more of a design designer's tool. It's much simpler. Things aren't hidden. It's much more exact. Um, and then if you can throw, you know, Photoshop in the mix, if you can throw, uh, you know, understanding how to cut things out in Photoshop, do a couple tutorials on YouTube, learn Photoshop. I mean, it, your design is going to go so much further because of it. But if all you have access to is PowerPoint, that's fine. You know, you use the tools that you have available to you. Um, but I just want to throw it out there. Typically, a professional designer will, if they have to deliver in PowerPoint, they're doing everything they can in other applications and then bringing you a final PowerPoint. But they, they typically don't sure. start there. Um, sure. Next here, what I like to typically do for myself, and this is a checklist I just follow whenever I design a deck or any of my designers design a deck is we kind of build a simple checklist of, of things. And I just kind of do these instinctually now. So it was interesting uh, putting them on paper. Um, but you know, right. simple things like setting your delivery deadline, even if you don't have one, even if you're a new business, um, you don't have a time you need to be to market, set a deadline. You'd be, you know, a lot of people aren't surprised by the fact that when you have a deadline and you have to put pressure on yourself, uh, you tend to do better work. Now, does that mean you put something crappy out because you only had two days? No, but give yourself a realistic deadline and back into it. Set some scheduled, yeah. you know, temples. Have a, a rough cut date. Have a 
you know, a, a date where you're going to share it with a colleague or a friend and get their feedback, whether it's yep. a partner or even just, you know, a family member you trust, like put those in a calendar so you keep yourself motivated and driven to finish your deck. Um, mood boards are just get it, getting that inspiration. I go online all the time and I, I grab images that I think I like for this. So if I read a deck and I feel a brand, I feel a brand coming out of it, I, I will look for images that, that connect. Um, rough storyboarding we talked about, uh, rough layout of slide-by-slide -slide copy, um, you know, choosing a color palette. I like to do that pretty early on if a brand, you know, like just even like this deck, you know, the color palette is light gray and yellow, right? So that's just a simple color palette you can choose early on and it makes your life so much easier as you're going through your deck already having these things. Same thing with sure. a font, already knowing your font that you like, knowing that how you want to use it. Then when you start designing, you've already got everything set up. High res images. Yep. I go through, before I even design anything, I go through and I find a hundred images and I put them all in organized folders so that when I'm designing, I don't have to keep going to Google or I don't have to keep going yeah. to my stock footage site to find, find, I can just create. I can go right in and say, mm, this does, you know, this slide really needs somebody on the right side, you know, looking at my title. And I look at, oh yeah, sure. I already got that. Drop it in. Right. So same so, thing with eye contacts, um, anything else you right. want to do all, as much of this in advance as you can. Very good. So really just, it's a matter of just being prepared. Yeah. Just, just have a plan going in and, and, and go back and add, add it to the checklist. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Now live materials. So live materials are different. They are not the same set of materials. So think right. about it. If I, if I had a slide, that had a, a paragraph or two paragraphs on it, and I'm talking to you right now, are you able to fight the urge to read the text that's on the screen? Like even right now, there's, there's text on the screen. You wanna read it. That's your right. brain is, that part of your brain, it needs to be you know, sort of activated. It needs to be uh, compensated for the what's in front of it, right? So right. this is the way I like to look at it. If you look in the bottom left, delivered materials, when you're you know, emailing a deck that has lots of text, at that point, you're there. The person on the other end, their detail absorption level is high, right? Because sure. you've got a lot of detail on there, but they've got the time. They're, they're they've got the energy to to read through it. Okay, impact and memorability is moderate because it just depends on the situation and what's going on and how much they're they're willing to absorb it. But here's where sure. it gets different. Your share of their attention is very low when you're, especially in COVID world. Like we're not yeah. all just hyper-focused on any one thing. Um, right. Nope. Oh, did we lose the uh, pre presentation here? Maybe. Sorry about that. There we go. There go. Um, so there are, people are, have too many distractions, right? When you send right. an email, they're, they're, they're distracted. They have too many things that they could be paying attention to, their phone, 15 other things, right? Now in a live oh. presentation, this entire model is inverted. Okay. They're, People's yep. ability in a live pitch to absorb detail is very low, right? Because they can't yeah. go back and reread it. Once you moved on, you've moved on. If they weren't paying attention, they miss it, right? So their, their level of their ability to absorb details is low. So don't give them too many details in a live pitch. Uh, impact right. and memorability still is about the same. It's just how you're delivering. And, you know, that's where the design kicks in. And if it's a good design and if it's a good story. I would even say that. Yeah, I would even say that in uh, even in your non-live materials, you know, you're going to be watch out for how much copy you're putting in those decks. It, and, yeah, oh, absolutely. 
and all those materials because if I'm looking at 50 of these a day and I just look on the surface and see 26 paragraphs, yeah, you know, yeah I'm not, exactly. I'm not interested. Uh, yeah. And 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 frankly, when a live presentation, what's great about a live presentation is you have all of their undivided attention. They're either in a room with you or they're on a Zoom call and you're looking at them, or you're in a room full of people and they can't get up and walk away or answer their phone. So their your share of their attention is very high, right? So yep. don't blow it by expecting yeah. them to absorb too much detail or distract yeah. like them the with copy on a slide. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the peanuts teacher, you yeah. know? Because yeah, if all exactly. of a sudden they're interested, interested, and then it turns into want, 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 you've lost it. You're yeah, done. Exactly. So. All right. So next up, uh, as part of live pitch materials, just a couple of tips. You know, use large fonts. You know, how appreciative are you right now that you can read what's on the screen? You know, if I had exactly. an tiny print, you'd be leaning forward and and trying right. to squint to figure out what it is. You know, it's all about like it says here: clarity, focus, simplicity. The pacing yep. all comes with the number of slides. Uh, with the type of images that you provide and the the cadence of your voice, if you get excited, if you get if you're monotone and you're quiet, right? So keep with with heavy contrast, like you see here, white on dark colors, right? Or dark on you know light colors. Keep that right. contrast really far apart so that things are really legible. Uh, simple images. Don't use images that have too much going on. Like get an image that really encapsulates what you're saying in that slide in one very simple, easy image, right? And then as little text as possible. I mean, go look at any Apple presentation, how much text do they ever show on a screen, right? It, it's very little, only when they really want impact. And whether your live pitch deck is three slides, 20 slides or 50 slides, here's the dirty secret, it doesn't matter, right? What matters is your pacing. If you land yep. on a single slide and you stop and you talk during that slide, you're slowing the pace down. But if you start picking it up and you start, you know, one slide, another slide, another slide, but it's connected to what you're saying, all you're doing yep. is increasing the pace so that when you land on, you know, a stopping point, it's going to have more impact. Just like a TV show, when a part's dramatic, it slows down. But when you get to an action scene, it speeds up, the number of cuts speed up. So, you know, that's like asking a director, well, you know, did you have, you, you should you keep your debt your 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 movie to a thousand cuts or five you know fifty thousand cuts you know and that's what always drives me nuts with pitch decks it's oh should I have it be five you know ten pages or fifty well, yeah okay uh, there is a, there is a difference right you know but if you pack a single page full of text and then you know and only have two pages have you really accomplished attention retention and you know absorption and recall. No, because they're, they're reading the book. To, yeah, and to take it to that next level, and to, on top of that is the one of the worst things I, I see from decks of all kinds, uh, specifically pitch decks as well, is the people who write what they're going to say on the slide. Yeah, don't read from one a slide. One thing to have like bullet points, <laughs> like obviously you heard Greg talk about larger font sizes and simple images, but he didn't do like, Here's our here's my list of you know things that you should remember, and then just read them and went yay. He provided context. He didn't uh, elaborate. He didn't say specifically the exact wording of each one. He showed. He talked about how they kind of go together a little bit. I think he even might have left one or just kind of briefly flew past one. Why? Because it probably wasn't as important as some of the others, or you'd already referenced it in another explanation. That's probably the biggest thing I see people, or one of the bigger things that I see people doing. Uh, I'm sure you can agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know. 
just to kind of wrap that up, I, I mean, you know, I've been at a lot of companies where, you know, they just, they want to invest in one set of materials yep. and that's fine. If you need to invest in one set of materials, invest in one set, but then take the time to strip out language, strip out copy, uh, you know, create a live version so that when you go in the room, you have impact and then you can email everyone in the room or in the Zoom call, the full ones, then they can read at their, their level and at their timing and their absorption level later, right? So keep it simple, keep it clean. All right, so the next one we're gonna talk about is design assets, right? So design assets, you can, you know, where do you get these things, right? Like most people immediately jump on Google and they do a Google search, right? That's fine. The only challenge there is you gotta make sure you're using high res images. Like if you were looking at this slide and this guy in the background was fuzzy or it was pixelated, it doesn't scream, you know, professional. It doesn't scream high quality. Now there's a, a balance because you don't want to. You want images that relate to what you're talking about. Sometimes that's hard to find. Um, in our business, when we don't have that for like a TV pitch, for example, we create it. We use Photoshop to comp and combine images together to create that perfect image that tells the story of that slide. Right. So there is a trade-off. You know, you want the high quality, highest quality you can get, but make sure that that photo is relevant. Now. There's places you can find these. I've thrown a few up here, Pixabay, Pexels, Un- Unsplash. These are free, right? These are ones yep. that you can go on and there's no license. For a little extra, for something like Envato Elements or Storyblocks, you can get more premium, not just pictures, but design elements, icons, even templates. If you're, you, know, you can find modern templates that weren't made eight years ago that are very <laughs> sure. modern and already right. have all the slides you need to build a great investment deck. So, you know, these elements are available. Envato Elements is only around $30, $35 a month with no contract. I mean, do it once. Sign up for one yeah. month, download everything you need, photos, you know, uh, icon packs, like this little icon in the corner here, that, that little checklist, mm-hmm. like those are icons. Download an entire yeah. icon pack and use them instead of bullet points, right? Storyblocks is a great place for images. You pay a little more than you would on a normal, you know, a free site. Obviously, it's more than more than anything that's that it's more. Uh, but sure. you get better images, you know. Yeah. And then when you and when those run out, you don't find what you're looking for. Then go to Google. Then find yeah. those images that just tell your story. And then organize them. Take the time to put them in folders. Don't just throw a hundred photos in one folder because when you want to work and you got to sift through them all, it's going to take way more time than if you just put people in people folders. You know. Just organize them. Organize them so that yeah, they also marry yourself to like a naming convention, you know, for your files, and make sure it's organized to the nth degree that way as well. You know, good, yeah, exactly. good piece of business there, Greg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. now the next thing you have your assets. What do you do with them? Right, you need to use them. Right. So right. when you're using photos, you can easily just drop a photo in, and that's fine. Put it in a corner. Put it, in, you know, somewhere. Um, sure. We like to take that extra step and do things like this, where we cut out photos. Uh, mm-hmm. we, you know, blend them and we do comping. Um, so yep. there's more that you can do, you know, like make sure that the photos, you know, their color kind of in the right color tone. Um, so yes. some photos just are naturally shot warmer and some are naturally shot cooler and believe it or not, adjusting that is going to fit better with certain colors you might already have in your deck. Right. Right. Icons, great use yes. of icons will always help. Just don't overdo it. Yep. Right. Don't use icons yeah. everywhere. This is one of those use them, but don't abuse them type of things. And then simple shapes, just like this deck. I'm using yellow lines, real simple. 
uh, just underneath titles. If that title was all on its own, would it look good? Yeah, it would look all right, but it looks a little better with the line. Yep. So, you know, wouldn't look as good. Yeah, right. So it's simple shapes and corners like dotted lines and, you know, just adding these little simple shapes. Be consistent though. If you use it once, use it again. If you're going to introduce a shape, don't just do it one time randomly. Like have a purpose to the elements that you use. Yep. All right. So, you know, we all love Chrissy. So here's, here's a great, great quote that I, I love to kick off the next session, uh, section of the, the, the next section of what we're talking about here. Tweeting from bed is quick and fun, but it also leaves a lot of room for error because new people don't sense the sarcasm. There's yep. no sarcasm fun. Now you see what I did there? I read off the screen. You know, who else does that occasionally? Steve Jobs used to do that, but only when it mattered because he really wanted yep. you to get the message. There is no sarcasm font. What do I mean by that? Okay, there are fonts tell their own story. Fonts are important, okay? And how you use fonts is very important, all right? So the best thing you can do for yourself is pick a font family. What I mean by that is you want to pick a font that has a lot of these weights, sizes, and options. So Roboto is a good example. Roboto here has very light versions that are real thin all the way up to really big, thick, you know, thick, thick black bold ones. That way you're not trying to fight, trying to figure out how to pair two completely different fonts, which you, you know, even as, even as a professional designer, sometimes, you know, that can be very challenging to fit different fonts right. together and know that they really go together. If you're not a pro designer, just pick one font family and then it'll help you immeasurably. And what do I yep. mean by that? When you get into the different kind of fonts, like there are so many options, right? You've got like these real clean modern ones like Babis New or these, you know, sort of uh, wing dingy kind of have these little extra tidbits on them like rock, like Rockwell, you know. So right. all of these tell a little bit of a different story, right? And you, just by looking at them, you get a feeling, right? Futura is has got like an art deco kind of feel to it, yeah. right? Um, Montserrat yep. is is a real popular one for that. It's, it's kind of spread out and blocky, and it just has this really assertive feeling to it. Fonts yep. do relay a message, right? And these are free fonts. Um, so these you can just look up online, download them, add them to your system, and start using them. They don't always come with your system. So sometimes you want to look for fonts outside of your system if you don't want to look and feel like everyone else and look like a PowerPoint from 10 years ago. You know, changing fonts can completely help you brand what you're doing in a way that you hadn't thought before. Then you got to figure out how to use the fonts, right? So using fonts effectively and using weights and size, et cetera. Now, when you build a header, a subheader, or copy text, you're giving priority to the reader. You're telling them, there's something really important I want you to read first, yep. then second, then third, okay? Yep. So poor font use is when you have like a thick header with a, a little bit smaller font, but it's still thick. Yeah. The problem there is just visually, you get this contrasting issue. You get this prioritization issue. Well, it's the subheader. Yes, it looks more like a it looks more like an error than um, something you did purposefully. Yeah, or well, and it's frankly, it's kind of just a design rookie mistake. It's something people don't often think about. But it, but when yeah. using effective font, you know, sizes and weights, we typically go much thicker on headers, and we typically go much much thinner on subheaders. And that's where having a font family that has that variation of really extreme heavy to really extreme thin is important. Just be careful when you go with thin 
You don't go so thin that you affect readability. Try reading your deck on a phone. If you can't read it on your phone, then the person on the other end probably can't read it either. That's right. All right. So the next section. Cooking is like painting or writing a song. Just as there are so only so many notes or colors, there are only so many flavors. It's how you combine them that sets you apart. Here's a dirty secret with a lot of design. We're taking things that already exist in the world, at least with layout design, and we're just combining them in a way that the average person just doesn't know how to do, right? And it doesn't mean you can't learn. It's just that we're following rules and we're yep. using our gut right to, to but and we're being very critical about what we're doing right so yep that starts out with color palette that's one of the one of the you know ingredients that exists uh look i'm not a color expert i have a hard time with colors so i go to other uh resources to help me coolers is a great website where you can take let's say you uh you know there's this one color you really like but you don't know how to create a color family or a color palette out of that. Go sure. to coolers, upload a snapshot, maybe it's a screenshot or, or a, you know, a JPEG up or whatever you've got, upload it, coolers will spit out a color palette for you. They already know what colors go well together. What's a pastel? Yep. What's a, you know, are, are, is your deck full of pastels or is your deck full of neon colors, right? There's yeah. a difference. But if you start mixing pastels with neons, you may think it looks really cool, but the person on the other end is going to be like, mentally fatigued, right? Color makes a difference. The other option that you can do is if you really have nowhere to start, go to Brand Colors. Brand Colors is a great site where you can look at what colors all the major brands are using with hex codes and everything. There are literally codes for each of these, uh, these colors. Yep. If you want to take a code from a brand that already exists that's like yours and enter it into PowerPoint or whatever you're designing in, it will it will spit out that same exact color, right? So you can go to brand colors and get inspired. Now you don't want to, you know, fully rip off a company, but at the same time, if you're very similar, you feel your ethos is very similar and everything else about your design is different, but your colors are the same. People are going to kind of sub, you know, they're, they're going to kind of like big, mentally connect that in, in some yeah. way. It's subliminal, right? It's and yeah. a lot of design is subliminal. It's what's happening under the surface the emotion someone's getting when they're when they're reading a deck or when they're looking at a design. Okay, so now now we're talking through proximity. Uh, this is kind of an important concept because uh, it's it's all tied to layout design. Layout design is all about the spacing of everything, right? So when you open up a magazine. Uh, one of my favorites is, is LA Mag because they, they have sure. incredible designers, incredible layout artists. What you notice is that the proximity of everything is so tight. Everything, you know, yeah. is, is so well laid out, right? And you notice it because it's it's a magazine. That's what makes it look professional, right? But yeah. if you took those same words yourself and tried to put it, you know, it'd be really tough to make it look as professional. And the whole thing behind that is that they're again the designers are using principles and rules there and i'm not saying these rules just exist out in, in you know fairy tale land you're actually sure creating the rules for yourself in a lot of right. cases um yes but there's some principles here right so proximity effect is uh and negative space these are two kind of principles here we'll start with negative space don't right. feel compelled to fill a slide 
full of text. This is where we were talking about how many slides should your, your pitch deck be. Uh, you know, you probably shouldn't have too many uh, sections of your deck. Like you shouldn't have, you know, 15 different slides that talk about your problem, you know, the solution, right? You, you, you want to limit the amount of copy, but that doesn't mean you have to limit the number of slides. If you want somebody rem to remember something, put it on a slide like this. Don't give them a whole bunch of additional stuff to read. Hit on a point sure. that's important and use the negative space to your advantage. You know, use yes. it to, to draw attention. There's only two things on this slide. It's a camera and the text that I wanted you to, to read. That's the message you're going to walk away with. If I filled this with four other bullet points or messages, not to say you're not going to remember them, but that one yeah. thing is not going to be remembered as well if, it, you know, if it's paired with four or five other things. Sure. Um, actually, Greg, this is a, probably a good place for us to, uh, to uh, pause. Um, yeah. I know we have a lot more to go, but let's uh, entice our uh, viewers by saying, hey, you'll be able to pick, actually pick up this deck. And there's uh, actually a few more tidbits that uh, Greg will go into probably in a subsequent broadcast, I would say, but we'll have that available for you. Um, Greg, I really appreciate you sharing. Absolutely. Uh, tips yeah, no, I, I appreciate the time. Appreciate the opportunity to come talk to, to all your people. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Now, before we go anywhere, of course, let's tell everybody um, they will be able to find this deck. You'll be able to, uh, we'll probably create a downloadable link and we'll put it uh, everywhere that the show is. Um, so you'll be able to get that. So now let's make sure that everybody knows where they can find you in Falcor Digital. Absolutely. It's pretty simple. It's www.falcordigital.com. Uh, Falcor is, is if you, if that's ringing a bell, it, it is the character from, uh, <laughs> from Never Ending Story. Uh, it is. Falcor! Falcor was that dog uh, dragon character, yeah. right? And that's like us. Yep. We're calm, cool. We swoop in. We save the day. So it's F -A -L -K -O -R, There you go. K-O-R, F-A-L-K-O-R, digital.com. Uh, so that's pretty easy to find. <laughs> Excellent. And yeah, of course, and you guys have some social profiles too. So feel free to check those out uh, as well. And of course, you can find them on the services index at uh, razzle.com as well. Um, Greg, uh, like I said, that deck is going to be available for everybody who's listening. Um, please uh, hit up Greg and Falcor if you have any design needs. As you can see, very, very much uh, an expert in the area. Um, we love using him, and so we would imagine that you would too. Um, Greg, you have a great day. Look forward to talking to you again very soon, sir. You as well. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Of course. It. Anytime. Take care.